Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossat, managing editor of Fightful.com, FightfulWrestling.com, and of course, FightfulSelect.com. This show is a essentially a preview of FightfulSelect.com. The Weekender usually airs exclusively on Fightful Select, our premium service. So if you haven't checked it out, go over there, check it out at FightfulSelect.com. I'll likely post one of these, whether it be the, the weekly or the the uh, Weekender, rather, a Q&A show, a members-only show, or a retro show. I'll usually post one of these free a month on uh, Fightful.com to give you a preview of the service. But in doing so, then I give uh, something else extra to Fightful Select subscribers exclusively to kind of make that up. So if you all haven't heard of FightfulSelect.com or haven't tried it out, I do a dark match commentary where we, this this month's was, or the first one this month was Shelton Benjamin versus John Cena. You all can see a preview of that over at our YouTube, uh, the Vic Grimes episode, which I think was our best yet. I do two Q&A episodes uh, a month, at least. It's every other week. I do a Fightful Weekender podcast every single month or every single week. Man, I'm scatterbrained. So much wrestling this week. Uh, Where I break down the Fightful Wrestling Weekly, which has a lot of scoops, and on the podcast version of that, I'll go into a little more detail on some of these things and some of these people that I've spoken to. And uh, you all were always asking me to cover the 205 Lives, the NXTs, Impact, Ring of Honor. I do all that over on uh, FightfulSelect.com. We've just got a ton of segments over there, from Jimmy Van's match archives that release every month, to uh, to additional posts. Sometimes I'll post raw scripts up there. Just a lot of stuff up there. And of course, you can get all your free wrestling news over at FightfulWrestling.com. But uh, definitely check out that Fightful Select service. Support us a little bit. Just give it a try. I'm sure you guys will like it. And we're always adding new stuff. So you will hear me make some plugs for uh, FightfulSelect.com on this show because that's what we're doing here. You all are getting this one for free. But just a ton of stuff to talk about. We'll talk about the Fightful Wrestling Weekly first. Of course, that drops every Friday morning on Fightful.com. Muhammad Hassan made his return this week. Uh, first match in 13 years, first match since leaving WWE in 2005. Uh, of course, I spoke to him at length in 2016, both 
for my Finding Muhammad Hassan feature. And then to launch Fightful, I did a follow-up interview with him because since then he had he had started to make some appearances. I put him back in touch with Sean Davari, who I had also interviewed for that that article. And he told me that he really didn't have any interest in coming back, that he was still feeling some pain whenever he would uh, like shovel snow. But he did an interview with Matt Coon and Robbie E. recently on the Why It Ended podcast. And he had been kind of quiet in the two years since that interview. He had done an interview here and there. I think Two Man Power Trip did uh, one with him. But things were really quiet for him. And I think that interview motivated him. He said it did. And he did this match against Papadon. Well, I talked to Mark Capani this week. And he told me that he is definitely interested in wrestling some more. But isn't in full weekend warrior mode by any means. But... Uh, an interesting note I was sent after uh, discussing it on the Raw podcast. WWE did abandon the Muhammad Hassan trademark in 2006. So theoretically, man, that he's free to use that. So if Impact Wrestling wanted to bring him in for a date or Ring of Honor, he could use that that name, which is, I think, a big thing. That's a big step because he, not a lot of people would, uh, all due respect to him, would be like, oh, Mark Capani's wrestling. But that character, that name, that has something to it. I can tell you that that was uh, the most attention I ever had over an individual story that didn't involve a crime in uh, my coverage of pro wrestling. So Muhammad Hassan coming back, man, that was a nice surprise too. He took his gear there. He wasn't advertised to wrestle. Here's a funny story. Uh, Andrew Thompson, one of our weekend writers, sent me a message and said, oh, Muhammad Hassan uh, advertised for in the ring or in ring return. And I looked at it and I was like, no, he's not advertised for an in ring return. And then he actually ended up wrestling in the ring, which wasn't planned at that point, which is kind of cool, uh, kind of a cool coincidence. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the skinny on Muhammad Hassan. Of course, I'll reach out to him. Might do a, an interview with him if he's up for it pretty soon. I think that would be a good one for the list and you boy. And of course, you all can get access to all my interviews early at FightfulSelect.com. Usually I'll release them when the articles come. Uh, on Fightful.com, but on FightfulSelect.com, as soon as they're edited and uploaded, they they get over there, including my Wikipedia fact check and making a finisher, which won't even come out until later this year. <clears throat> Shout-outs to my friends over at Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Uh, they have a great YouTube page. They have the video side of news just covered and do it better than anybody in my estimation. And they sent along some information about the all-in star casting. I have a lot of people asking if we're going to do the star cast deal. And no, I don't. Th- we're not going to. We're not dropping four to f- five to six hundred dollars on that, which is the cost if you go ahead and book it, depending on how far you do that. Uh, you know, there are questions about ethics and and paying to cover events that sh- will probably be answered and covered a, a little more as as showtime comes, but. That's just not something that we do. We don't, we're not going to pay a bunch of money to appear on a podcast row. All due respect to them, I think it's a smart way for them to make money and make a lot of money, they being the all-in guys. But uh, very, very smart on their part, just not something that we're, we're going to do. However, we will have a, a fightful rep at their press conference later this month. WWE Raw. Of course, uh, Fightful.com posts Raw and SmackDown spoilers almost every Monday. Head over to Fightful.com for that. And I did post the Raw script on FightfulSelect.com for subscribers. Uh, as far as, uh, uh, gosh, agent duties went on this show, Dean Malenko handled uh, Bobby Roode versus Elias, including the finish that saw Roode helped off. 
Devon Dudley, who is often tasked with uh, handling tag team matches, was the producer for the Authors of Pain squash match. You know, far worse people <laughs> that you could handle than or have handling your tag match than Devon Dudley. That Ruby Riot Sasha Banks match was just outstanding, and uh, the producer for that was Sarita, also known as uh, Sarah Stock. I thought they all did a great job on that. She also helped with the Natalia Mickey match along with uh, Tyson Kidd. He helped with that. And then he did the No Way Jose Baron Corbin segment. The six-man tag match, Michael Hayes, he knows a thing or two about six-man tags. Uh, Also, there was some information on some of the promos. Uh, J&J security member uh, (laughs) Jamie Noble did uh, the, the Finn Balor, Seth Rollins promo, which, you know, of course, I mean, uh, you got got to feel good about a Jamie Noble still working with Seth Rollins. I thought that was one of the bright spots in a kind of a, I don't want to say Seth Rollins' WWE title run was dark, but I mean, some of the the show back then was real hit or miss. It is every week, but back then especially. And it's it's really cool to, to see that Noble was helping produce that, that angle and the match itself because the match was really, really good too. Uh, the Samoa Joe clip that aired during the Reigns interview wasn't included in the script, which kind of interesting. Also, Daniel Bryan on SmackDown was originally planned for the show, as I reported on Fightful.com exclusively. But WWE's medical staff withheld him. Uh, he was set to interrupt uh, the Big Cass and Little Bryan segment due to a legit fear of a chest infection, but was held off of the show uh, as and part of his promo was next. Well, uh, initially it looked like it was due to a legit fear of a chest infection. That is not the case. They just didn't like how it looked on TV, and kind of understandably so. They don't want their guys painted up like that. And, and I could see that because you know what? If kids see that and they say, oh, this is cool. I mean, some kids do far dumber things. The Andrade Cien Almas and the Zelina selfie promo weren't factored into the final script or the rundown of the SmackDown show. Instead, it was just listed as a selfie promo with no attached no, no attached name to it. Also, a Sanity VTR, which is the, the video, was not aired, but it did uh, air after SmackDown on their Twitter page. You all may have seen a report on Fightful.com today uh, based on the James Lynch interview with Bilal Muhammad that Ronda Rousey and CM Punk have kind of kept in touch. Something that Lynch's interview with Bilal, Bilal Muhammad revealed that Punk even spoke to Rousey after she had her first match at WrestleMania, which is uh, kind of cool. Speaking of MMA crossovers, you never know what you're going to see in these James Lynch interviews, which is why I recommend them to to uh, wrestling fans as well. That's why we do the crossover, and I think he does it so well. And James Lynch isn't a big wrestling guy, but he, he'll ask guys like Brian Kelleher, who made a big name for himself earlier this year, and he said that he would consider a WWE run and had been thinking about it. Andrea Lee said that she's been checking out WWE a lot more because of Ronda Rousey and uh, would love to do do some if she worked on the acting side of things for sure. And uh, Sajara Eubanks, Bilal Muhammad, they're not so interested in it. So you just never know who you could see cross over. Colby Covington, we got an interview with him up as well. We saw him do very well in Impact Wrestling when he was there. And you just never know, man. Four years ago, I had my first interview with Matt Riddle, which I will post exclusively for Fightful Select members eventually. That'll be one of those make good things. It's uh, it's kind of funny because I remember asking him, hey, do you ever think about doing pro wrestling? And that was just me trying to 
help solidify myself in crossover coverage back then. I didn't think he would really have any desire in doing that. He said, you know what? I would. And it started a friendship between myself and Matt Riddle that continued through us doing a show. And he would eventually be one of the hottest wrestlers on the indie circuit. So definitely check out that Fightful Wrestling Weekly. My friends over at PWU do a great job covering that every week. Check them out at Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Now let's talk about uh, wrestling, Dantaku, New Japan. I'll talk about the highlights and the lowlights in my estimation. I'm not going to go through every single match in detail because that would take me forever. It would take it would take forever on a show of its own. Cody and Ibushi, man, I, I saw a lot of people saying that Cody and Ibushi was just an average match. To me, it's so much more, man, because all of what Cody Rhodes is able to do and what he's able to conjure up and the emotions and the character work, it's just so great. And I cared about this match because I care about Kota Ibushi and I care about Cody Rhodes, especially, man. His character work is so incredible. That table spot was so cool. Kota Ibushi, I, I've always worried about him since that neck injury that I thought you know could threaten his career. However... He hasn't slowed down. I mean, we saw it a couple of years ago, him shooting fireworks out of his wiener and stuff, doing doing Johnny Knoxville stunts while he wrestled. But Cody won this match, and I loved it. I loved it. I, I love everything that surrounds Bullet Club, their infighting, and the people that I don't want to say are getting over because Cody Ibushi's already over. I want to say that I, you know, I like the addition of a Kota Ibushi. I'm not that sold on Flip Gordon as you'll as you'll hear later, but I mean it's helped him get over. Later on, you had Kenny Omega over Adam Hangman Page, who we've interviewed multiple times on Fightful.com. Just another good match. This match and the match with Kota Ibushi is really the match that a Hangman Page deserved at Long Beach instead of the Jay White match. And I got to tell you, I didn't miss Jay White at all on Dantaku. All due respect to the guy. I interviewed him as well and have him for making a finisher. And that'll be great. But there's it's just not all clicking for me with Jay White yet. I don't know what it is, but it's just not all the way there. But the Omega, <laughs> with Omega's bleached hair and how he got busted open in the match, it just told a really, really good story. And I just think this is one of the most beautifully crafted stories in pro wrestling being intertwined with another one of the most beautifully crafted stories in pro wrestling, that of Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi in their own, because that is factored into this Bullet Club fraction. I could do an hour podcast every single week about Bullet Club and the infighting and the matches that come out of it and the story progression that comes out of it. And we saw this week that being the elite is coming back. Of course it was. They, they would be oafs not to bring that back. That is a license to print money. Uh, tickets are going to go on sale for all in soon. You know that's going to be a big show. Hopefully, it streams because if it does, we will have just wall to wall coverage. It'll be treated as it'll be treated as the Indies Wrestle Kingdom or WrestleMania, in my estimation. The first night of Don Taku just had some great stuff. The Bullet Club versus Bullet Club uh, six man tag team title changes that was just real good. And at the end, you saw. You saw the BCOGs essentially handing over the titles. Uh, like it was a sign of respect. Just just more great stuff, man. And I care about all of them. I didn't really u- care about Yujiro Takahashi, Bad Luck Fale that much. That's certainly not necessarily Tama Tonga or Tangaloa before all this. 
But ever since all this has happened, I've been like, what the hell is Tamatanga going to do? Not the strongest promo in the world. He's incredibly athletic. You know, he'll, he, he's that one of those guys you could see like, man, he's just a bad bastard, that guy. He's just a badass bastard, Tamatanga. And it's like, when's he going to flip the switch? And when's he going to say, I'm tired of this shit. I'm taking control. This was mine to begin with. Who the hell are you two? Man, I don't know. Uh, Heavy J says, go ahead and do a pot on Bullet Club history. I'll tune in. I'm still behind on you know the formation and all that stuff. But whew, there are so many people that can lay claim to, to Bullet Club. And I've loved all this. Also, another highlight to me in on Dontaku was Don Callis talking about Will Osprey's injuries and saying, like, guys, we might not see him very long. Like, he might burn out. That might be the end of Will Osprey within a couple of years. And you see he and Kushida held together by tape. I thought this was a great match, one of the best matches of the of the week, Kushida versus Osprey. And I've not made it a secret how much I love the double wrist lock and how much I love Kushida's work on the double wrist lock, but just more great, awesome stuff out of out of uh, Kushida and Will Osprey. Man, Kushida is something special. One of my favorites to watch, really ever, is he? And this was this was really no exception. Osprey had that that <laughs> move where he slung around. Kushida in essentially like an inverted F5. Unbelievable. That that could should have been a finish. But he, a, he hit his actual finish, which is like a double underhook rolling cutter. I mean, it looks cool. There's always this issue of me and Osprey. When I when I think of Osprey, I think about how he takes credit for so many different different things that he didn't necessarily create, like that running elbow. <laughs> I remember he was like, I give it a few months before everybody on in the Indies starts using this. And Jordan Devlin said Will, thank you so much for inventing the back elbow. And I thought that was just the, the greatest response. But if Osprey's a heel, you know, I buy it, dude. I, I can I get it. And just really, really good. Every time I think that I'm not going to be that into an Osprey Kushida match or an or a match between either one of them, because I've seen the combination so many times, it always delivers. So after well, I, I don't want to say after. The Bone Soldier return had been teased for a long time. Now, I hated Captain New Japan. I hated Bone Soldier when Captain New Japan became Bone Soldier. I thought it was a great waste of time. Wasn't wasn't my cup of tea. And when they announced the return, I was like, oh, my God, really? The original Captain New Japan Bone Soldier left because he had a gambling issue. That sucks. That's a bummer. However, Spone Soldier looked a little more cut and came out and attacked Will Osprey and was seconded by Tamatanga. And I was like, whoa, what's this? It's Taiji Ishimori, former X Division champion over in Impact Wrestling, competed for the X Division title in this week's Impact Wrestling. As a matter of fact, that is quite an addition to Bullet Club, and that is quite a person to take the torch of Bone Soldier and make it not a joke. I like it. I'm all for it. Taiji Ishimori is fantastic. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously, the big highlight of this this show 
was Chris Jericho returning and attacking Tetsuya Naito after Naito picked up a win. Now, it really feels like to me since since uh, Tokyo Dome week that Naito has been in a holding pattern, just waiting for Jericho. After Naito lost or didn't lose, after Naito got attacked by Jericho, I thought that Jericho and Naito would be set for Long Beach because Chris Jericho had that gap in his schedule. As it turns out, Long Beach, as far as a ticket sales perspective went, it didn't need Chris Jericho. Cow Palace might need Chris Jericho. And if that's the way that they go, I don't have any inclination that they will, but it would certainly make sense that they they put this on for the Cow Palace. Uh, they could do Dominion. But it would make a lot of sense to have Jericho versus uh, Naito headline the Cow Palace because you need a real good headliner for that. As good as that main event was in Long Beach, the rest of the show under-delivered, in my opinion. But Jericho showed up. He had like this eyeliner on and this this like lipstick on. It was different, and I thought it looked kind of weird. But you know what? Chris Jericho does such a fantastic job at reinventing himself. Who am I to doubt the man and something different that he does? Had a mask, kind of grabbed Naito and attacked him as Naito was making his way out, and none of... The Naito's LIJ boys came and helped him, which is kind of interesting. I mean, it doesn't mean anything, I don't think. But, you know, Jericho back in the fold at New Japan, and, you know, I noticed that he was talking about Ghetto and Jado and, like, our boss when he was talking to New J- Young Bucks in a recent interview. So, and this is after he said that he was done with New Japan. I didn't think he was done with New Japan, despite his appearances at Greatest Royal Rumble and, Raw 25 and all that. I didn't think he was done with New Japan, not by a long shot, but it is kind of kind of funny. He's appeared on like some really big stuff. Like he appeared in Saudi Arabia and Japan within a week of one another. That's kind of cool. And then of course Raw 25, he had that segment. Had a five on five bullet club match, and Marty Skrull said that he was going to body slam bad luck Fale. New Japan's production really screwed that up by cutting away on the lift of Marty Skrull and Fale falling on him for the win. And as Don Callis said, there were like three matches going on within this one match. And I thought that was that was kind of cool. Like I, as I said, I was glowing earlier about the about the Bullet Club infighting. But this one, it was a Bullet Club combination of uh, Bad Luck Fale, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, and the Golden Lovers against Cody, Hangman Page, Marty Skrull, and the Young Bucks. So I, I just thought that was really, that was a nice way to put it. You, you got a little bit of the mixture, and Hangman Page has definitely he doesn't like Kenny Omega and he beats up Kenny Omega when he can. So Kenny Omega and Cody hit the bricks after this match and they're going to the back and the rest of the guys are in the ring and they too sweet one another. Apparently bullet club is fine. And now you got the addition of bone soldier as their, their IWGP junior heavyweight guy. So who knows what Marty Skrull will kind of do there. Maybe he'll move to to heavyweight because I think it would make sense to have him in line as a as an ROH world champion, honestly. A lot of people talking about how Chris Jericho swerved people. Yeah, man. You always got pro wrestlers are workers, man, and they will protect 
storylines at all cost. Okada versus Tanahashi, this was a very, very good match. That being said, I thought it was about their ninth or tenth best match they've ever had together in a singles capacity. That is in no way an insult. It was a really, really great match. However, I just didn't think it lived up to the other ones. Okada now, and you can't really argue, at least statistically, that he's the greatest IWGP heavyweight champion ever. He now has 12 successful title defenses. He will be moving past that two-year mark if he gets to Dominion. He broke Tanahashi's 11 title defenses record. And um, uh, I've always talked about how Tanahashi did it in like 400 days. There, There is that. And the thing is, man, had had Naito not won the title for that cup of coffee, that like nine-week period, we'd be looking at a three-year reign out of Okada. I wonder if New Japan regrets doing that just for the sake of statistics. But after this, Okada called out Omega. And Omega said, let's do it two out of three falls. We're tied. Let's go two out of three falls. And you even see Ghetto outside being like, now, are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure you want to challenge Kenny Omega? Ooh. Ooh. That's a big one for Dominion. And I think they've about ran the well dry of Tanahashi as the main event guy and coming in and foiling because they went to it at Wrestle Kingdom one year when I don't know if it should have been. I don't know if it should have been Tanahashi again but they wanted to get the Okada win over Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom, and they went to it here, and I think that's about it. You could do it on some minor shows, but I don't know if you can do it on major shows. But Okada versus Omega isn't there yet as far as running that well dry, and also we I don't know that we've seen – we just haven't seen that. We haven't seen that crowning moment of Kenny Omega as IWGP heavyweight championship champion yet. Do you all think it's time? I do think it's time. And if he does win, you could always you could run it back at all in. I don't know if New Japan would be willing to do that, but Kenny Omega is perceived as a main eventer and is a main eventer, but has never had his crowning moment as IWGP heavyweight champion, especially over Kazuchika Okada. So that's what you got going on there. You had Ring of Honor TV this week. BJ Whitmer just keeps getting better, better on commentary, by the way. Chucky e. T defeated Josh Woods. I grow more tired of this ROH crowd every single week, man. If you go to Ring of Honor, I'm sure the tapings are not that great to, to sit through because they take forever. But my God, they act like they are at gunpoint sometimes. Uh, Josh Woods still rough around the edges, but has some good basics. Uh, Chuck Chucky e. T hit a great. Falcon Arrow and an eat defeat. Woods had a nice exploder suplex where he kept the leg cradled. Big fan of that. Chucky T stacks an armbar for the win. Cody and Brandy cut a promo backstage. It's good. It's funny. Uh, these promos that they do backstage, not, not they being Cody and Brandy, just in general, I wonder if yeah, they'll switch those up soon because you have the same background for like everybody. And... Kingdom cut one and said that they've never lost a six-man tag titles. Okay, whatever. Ring of Honor's audio equipment kind of sucks. So Cal Uncensored also cut a promo on them, and that's what these are. These are short promos for upcoming matches and feuds. That's about it. 
Oh, Stella Gray and Sumi Sakai, everybody, every woman in wrestling using the goddamn spear these days. And then Sumi stomps Stella Gray's tits in. Ow. Ow. Looked like Sumi had uh, to deadweight Saito suplex Stella Gray. And Stella didn't kick out at three. This was not good. Smash Mouse gets the win. I was just glad this was over. I was waiting for something terrible to happen. Jenny Rose came out and she didn't really establish herself very much on commentary. Didn't say a lot. That's, that's been happening a lot with the people that Maria of Honor has on guest commentary. They don't make the most of those minutes. Didn't seem like anybody knew who Jenny Rose was. She threw to a video and kept calling the championship, the woman of honor championships. It's women of honor. This was not a good promo. Not that excited about this match. Maybe it'll be good, but this entire segment was just not great. Bully Ray's promo was, yeah, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Bully Ray guy in the world, at least in the ring, but God almighty, he got heat on this promo. Like I said, minutes before this, you could hear a pin drop in this arena. And he had the crowd just owned. He owned these people. He targeted Cheeseburger. He targeted Joe Kroff. He got a lot of things done in, in his promo, and he hyped up the crowd. That's what a great promo does. Uh, against him, rather. Had people throwing trash at him. He threatened to beat somebody up if they threw trash. And then there was this awkward like situation where people did throw trash. And they were like, okay, is he going to come through and beat the shit out of people? Because he did used to do that. He did used to really like incite riots in the 90s, which wasn't necessarily easy to do. Ooh. Silas Young defeated Flip Gordon. Still not there on Flip's work. He still feels like he is waiting for the next spot. But I thought that Silas Young was a perfect foil to Flip Gordon. Like he is the exact opposite of Flip Gordon on occasion because, you know, Silas has been known to bust out like a, a, a split like a moonsault <laughs> on occasion. I loved Ian Riccoboni teasing a commercial. But then when the action picked up and pins started happening, he was like, no, we can't go to a commercial. We're staying right here. We're sticking around for this one. And then they went to commercial when things slowed back down. Great stuff from Ian Riccoboni. Silas Young picks up the win. Really, it was it was a decent episode of uh, Ring of Honor, but it it was missing. It was missing in my estimation. That women's segment just really, really dragged it down. Really dragged it down. 205 Live, Kendrick and Gallagher defeated Atami and Tazawa. You see Kendrick getting in better shape every week, getting in uh, more, getting closer. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
sort of ring shape every week. I have mixed feelings about Gallagher's headbutt finish because of the this little margin of error that you have and the lack of sense. However, I do not have mixed feelings about him on the up, up, down, down, SmackDown versus Raw 2006 stuff that Xavier Woods and Tyler Breeze did. I wonder how they'll do that now that they're on different shows. But this is a fun series. Go check that out on Up, Up, Down, Down. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Hideo and Tozawa lose, and Hideo pushing Tozawa and essentially turning on Tozawa makes me doubt if they're doing that cruiserweight tag division now because I don't think that you can really do it without Itami and Tozawa. It seemed like that was going to be the team that they built it around. But boy, does Tozawa play sympathetic well. He has these sad eyes that make you just look like, like did this guy's puppy get ran over? He played it so well. Tozawa was fantastic, and Atami plays a dick really well. So can't wait to see where that goes because their physicality and the tag team matches got me into that. So I can only imagine how their singles will be. Murphy Powerbomb's a guy to death who I don't know if it's, if he sold it stiff or he was just knocked dead. Apparently he's okay. Match ended in a ref stoppage. I wish they would do that more often or more often, even if it wasn't planned or yeah, if it, if it was planned rather, sorry. Cedric comes out. Looks like Cedric versus Murphy is the next logical step. I don't like what they're doing to Murphy with this ride along shit and the romance teasing with, Alexa and Braun. It doesn't fit either character. And it's just a dick move by WWE. <clears throat> Kalisto and Gulak. Gulak said in a backstage promo that Kalisto wasted his opportunity. I don't know why I have these damn headphones in. I ain't talking to anybody. Or I'm not listening to anybody. Uh, I love that Nigel completely discounted Kalisto's pointless flips. <clears throat> you don't need just pointless ass flips. However, not pointless. Gulak was outside the ring. Kalisto was in the ring. Kalisto does these cool like springboards and slingshots where he bounces his knees off the ropes. And he did that. He went from inside the ring, bounced his knees off the ropes, took a tumble outside onto Gulak. Awesome spot. Gulak ends up winning a great match and a contrast of styles with the Gulak. These 205 live main events continue to be must watch. Uh, Buddy, Gulak and Itami are all emerging as challengers to Cedric Alexander. Uh, Itami, of course, has Tazawa to take on in the interim, but it seems like they want to build him. And also, of course, Gulak is going to be what Gulak is going to be. And I don't know if he'll ever capture that championship, but if he does, he you, he can go back to the the antithesis of what the 205 live guys typically are. And the thing is he can work that opposite style, but he can work that opposite style as the foil. Like I mentioned with Silas Young and Flip Gordon earlier, and they need that foil. They need somebody to slow things down. Sometimes I think they should one 205 live should be featured in barn burners on raw eight to 10 minute barn burners doing crazy PWG shit that makes people think, wow, I got to buy the network and watch that. And man, I got to buy FightfulSelect.com and watch Sean Rossat break that down on the weekender. But then on 205 Live, make the main events that, make the undercard match one of them a little less and one of them kind of slow down. Got to have the contrast. 
So, yeah, I thought 205 Live was good again this week. Just if you're not watching these 205 Live main events, man, you are missing out. It's so great every single week. We had Impact Wrestling. It is getting better every single week as well. <clears throat> I love I love watching Kiera Hogan work. She is so good for 23 years old and three years in. I interviewed her mere hours ago, and that will air on an upcoming uh, List in Your Boys show, but she let me in on a little secret that I'll put on the Fightful Wrestling Weekly next week. Her contract is up in June. She actually got signed by the previous management last June, did nothing for six months, under contract, and is uh, under a deal until this uh, this June. And so she'll be at the next set of tapings at the beginning of June, but got a lot of great info on her, like for, about her WWE tryout, lots of cool stuff there. Tessa Blanchard, man, uh, she's real good. Eventually she will be in WWE, but right now Impact has her, and her segment with Kiara Hogan was great. She looks like a million bucks. She can talk. Just really, really good. Taya is so hit or miss for me. One week, I mean, she she looks awesome. She looks like a star. Looks like something out of like a, a TV show or a movie. But like, there will be one week that I think everything is together, and then the next week she screams every time she throws a strike. And I just hate that every woman uses the spear, especially when it's all their wrist and forearm catching the body. I hate that on clotheslines too, and that happened a lot. Taya got the win, and then uh, Tessa came out and. Brawled with Kiara Hogan. Good stuff there. Uh, I, like I said, the tire work, it, it goes from questionable to really good from week to week. Like her match with Kiara Hogan at Redemption, that was really good, even though the, the Tessa Blanchard stuff kind of overshadowed everything. I think that Falaba and KM are hilarious. KM is a dick on this show, but he's trying to redeem himself and not be a dick, but he can't not be a dick. It comes over as so not genuine. And I think it's hilarious. I think it's so funny and they are great and they're really entertaining. And that's not a combination that I would have thought to put together, but I think they are far better together than they are apart. I would love to see Falaba get in a little bit better shape for his own sake. And Maybe try to be this generation Jokozuna. The comparisons are there. They're going to be there. The gear, the size, the look, the heritage, it's going to be there. It's going to be hard to escape that. People will call them a ripoff. They'll call them an imitation. Who gives a shit? There are far worse people than you can that you could imitate than Yokozuna, who had a, I don't know, a four-year run in WWF, headlined multiple WrestleManias, won the WWF championship, Far worse guys than you could do, and it's been so long that a lot of people will have no clue who Yokozuna are, some of the younger people. Excited for that. Backstage, man, some of Austin Aries' best character work has been on Impact Wrestling of late, like the the State of the Union address that he did, him talking to Joseph Park and Grado was just so funny. Really, really liking that. Eli Drake versus Pentagon is on for next week. So you have that, or yeah, next week. That's that's coming up soon. Eli Drake cut a great promo, challenged him. This Rosemary Alley promo. Uh, I know Rosemary's got other stuff on her mind. She's got to have surgery soon. But this, 
God, it was so cheesy and bad. And they had to do something. They had to address Sue Young being there and Rosemary not being there. Taiji Ishimori's big week continued. He got beat by Matt Seidel, but this was a good match. Not a just got to get online and tweet about it match, but a really, really good match. And I think that Impact Wrestling, although they're building a lot of goodwill, they need some matches where people will be like, let me go online and tweet about that. Let me tell the world how great this match is. And they've got the talent roster to do it. Uh, they, they seem to be, including this week's tag match, going back to the X Division being what the X Division is. By the way, I see Andrew Everett trying to get in better shape. Good for him. So I can appreciate the, the effort that they are putting into this X Division and what they are looking to do to stand out. Because you know you always hear people say, like Shane Helms say, Seth Rollins works the X Division style. Everybody does now. Well, you got you to gotta go do some things that heavyweights don't do. You got to do some things that Kenny Omega doesn't do and Seth Rollins doesn't do. And that was always one of uh, Helms's Helms's um, gosh explanations for it. And then I had a lot of people say, I wish, wish somebody would explain to me what the X Division was. I remember Bruce Pritchard told me that. It's not about weight limits. It's about no limits. And sometimes when they said that, that also goes with no limits on the explanation. Well, okay. I mean, Bobby Lashley was a champion, so technically it's a secondary title. There's also them playing the Hokey Pokey with the Grand Championship. Like, Austin Aries still has it, but Don Callis said it was going away. I don't know if he was swerving for the sake of swerving or if they changed their mind. I don't know. We have another X marks the spot attack where somebody got attacked backstage and left an X on it. We'll see how that goes. I assume... Assume this is not me reporting that we'll find out at the June tapings. Well, we won't find out that. Well, we might because they might wrestle, but they they film some of these segments or a lot of these segments backstage. That way, you know, people don't have the inside track on everything that airs. Speaking of, they had a Brian Cage match in Australia, which was a lot of fun. It didn't look there was no canvas on this mat. It didn't look like it was just all padding from the ring with no canvas. That's really interesting, and Don Callis brilliantly brought up the point that it's a lot slicker than than a t- typical ring, than the normal mat, so a guy the size of Brian Cage has to really watch out, watch what he's doing, and not slip whenever whenever you're dealing with a new canvas, a new ring, a new continent in that, in that situation because he was in Australia. So I like little things on commentary like that. So Don Callis stepping up and doing that is is just awesome. He is the best color commentator in the world, bar none. He is incredible. Another good episode of Impact, guys. OVE beat Falaba and KM, by the way. So uh, a good episode. I am enjoying watching Impact. If you all don't watch Impact, at the very least, catch those YouTube videos because you can keep up to date on almost everything, at least with those. But lots of good in-ring work. I think there has been more good in-ring work under this regime over the past several months than there was the past couple years. Now, I wish that I could have seen Broken Matt Hardy and EC3 and so many of these guys, the James Storms of the world, with this regime. Wish I could have seen it. WWE NXT. TM61 defeated the Street Profits and essentially turned heel in the process. 
you got the pin with the foot on the ropes and the other the other Australian bro or New Zealand bro holding his foot on the ropes. This is a much-needed heel turn. I thought they were DOA early on. When you come into that company and you already have guys that can you have guys that are so much more over than you and can already do things that you can't do and you don't necessarily have a personality that's not good that knee injury while tragic for i think Shane Thorne it was probably a good thing they needed the time off it needed to be reassessed it needed to be figured out what they could do differently and them as heels i think could work you don't have sanity anymore sanity kind of tiptoed the line you don't have aop anymore so i think it's natural uh man they have really marginalized street profits and street profits are more about charisma than they were in ring ability and being badasses but it feels like they have been beaten a lot lately but i don't know i think that nxt tag team division has seen better days i'm not a big heavy machinery guy Undisputed Era, that'd be fine. That's good. Uh, War Machine, great. TM61, we'll see how this works out. Tree Profits got to put it all together, but they've got some promise for sure. Kona Reeves, oh boy, had somebody have the balls to be like, oh, you're already crapping on the Kona Reeves gimmick. No, I crapped on the vignettes because the vignettes were fucking stupid. How many wrestlers are we going to see come in and be like, I have more money. I have all these cool things. I have all these neat items. Yeah. Well, Kona Reeves has a great motor. But if I got to hear him say, I'm the finest, one more goddamn time. He said it three times during the course of this match. Did he need to introduce himself Three times in the match after he had been introduced by the announcers, the ring announcers, and a vignette where Finest was said, I think, 12 times on this show. We get it. We understand. He has a white jacket that he wears with his matching boots and tights. That's neat. Cool, man. Let him wrestle. He doesn't have to scream, I'm the Finest! Every 35 seconds. It is not that necessary. Is he that psychotic about being the finest? If he's psychotic, maybe I get it. I like this finish. Some people didn't. I saw someone say, LMFAO. Ha ha. He just uses a Samo and drop. It's a little bit different. He drops him face first. Gives a shit. Something new. The right move done by anybody can finish anybody else. Like I said, he's got a good motor, but... Like, man, this thing, like, they gotta, <laughs> they gotta stop insulting the viewer. We get it, dude. You're the finest. At least you think you are. People keep saying he's the Rock's nephew. I don't know if he's the Rock's nephew or not, or if it's one of those by blood deals. I don't know. I know he wrestled for Afa. God, man. Ole, or the Solster says, and a chain. Yeah, man, he's got a chain, too. Like, it's 1998. Okay. Just quit, man. 
there's just a Dakota Kai segment, and it wasn't good. It's the outdoor thing, and like I've said this before, I appreciate that WWE finds different ways to get wrestlers to say the things they need to say, whether it's promos from Gorilla or interviews in the ring or interviews with Michael Cole backstage, like in a, in a sit-down setting. This is WWE's perception of the media, that there are six people there, and everybody but the official WWE reporter is covering it by holding their iPhone or their Samsung Galaxy S5 up to Dakota's face and saying, Dakota, Dakota, oh, Dakota, what do you think about that? Huh? Huh? Then when Vanessa Bourne comes out and burns them, one of the media members goes, oh, I'm like, God damn, man. Like, maybe I know that this, (laughs) I'm pissy about this because I am a media member and I make my living doing this, but come on. We don't do that. Like sometimes you'll hear people talk over one another at press conferences when a person is up on the podium. Not between like the distance between me and the camera though, where we're holding a phone like this. Dakota, Dakota. Ah! Let me get your comment. What do you think about Shayna Baszler? We get it. She doesn't want to face Shayna Baszler. She's intimidated. And her saying like, Vanessa, I can take her on. All right, cool. Didn't click. Also, Lacey Evans, man, something doesn't click with me for her. I think it's that music. Like, I I know they want her to be the Southern Belle, but there's something between how physical she is, her gear, her gimmick, and her song. Like, I don't know exactly what it is. I'm not sure what it is. But I feel like one of those four things needs to change for it to all click. You know what I mean? Like, it's like if you have a Rubik's Cube and you're looking at it and you just can't quite figure it out, but you know if you make like one or two real good turns, it's going to be solved. That's the feeling I get with a Lacey Evans. Kyrie Sane sold a punch to the face so well. So well. Kyrie Sane won her match tonight, too. Cool. Done and strong, had a good main event. Usually I don't like the uh, DQ main event, but they are really establishing Undisputed Era as just some shit heels, some little dickheads. They're just really establishing those guys at that as they will do anything to not get pinned. Even Adam Cole, when he said, guys, hit the bricks for tonight last week, they recognized and they went out there. They're all savvy. That's what I like about it. All these guys are savvy in-ring competitors. And they can all play dickheads really well. So, I, yeah, I like it. And Dunn hit the bitter end, and then Lorcan and Birch hit the ring. I know a lot of people were hoping for, for you know, Bait and somebody else, but they, they like Lorcan, and they like, they like Birch, so... I mean, it's it could be a lot worse. That's NXT. Well, no, that wasn't NXT. Sorry, I saved the best for last for NXT. Bianca Belair defeated Candice LeRae. Hate Candice LeRae's theme. It sounds like a 90s sitcom show. Or not a 90s sitcom, like a 90s teen show. Like a Boy Meets World had an alternate theme. It would be Candice LeRae's theme. And it just, uh, she was playing like, you know, concerned about Johnny still. Bianca Belair was not playing concerned about Johnny still. 
Now, I will say Candice LeRae can help make people look amazing. Goddamn, guys. When Bianca Belair press slammed Candice LeRae, stars might as well have shot from her ass and gold dripped from her eyeballs and money seeped from her armpits. I mean, it was pretty evident before that Bianca Belair was going to be a big deal, but like there was just something about this match in particular that I just looked at and I was like, man, she is going to be so big. I mean, she's going to be so freaking big. She's going to be so major. I just, she was always before, like, because of the gimmick and just how she carries herself, the way that she bounces to the ring and she has this confidence. And of course, she is in impeccable shape. Jesus, man. Bianca Belair right now is something special. I can't even imagine how special she's going to be when she puts together some more in the ring. WWE's women's division, man, like some of the girls in the main roster who have not put it together, they better put it together very, very quickly because there are going to be the Shayna Baszlers of the world who, you know, Shayna Baszler, we're not going to accuse her of being well-rounded. Like she's not going to hit the rope. She's not going to fly off the top rope. But what she does, she is so good at it. That's what you look for. That's what you watch out for. You find the person that perfects what they can do so well and that they're willing to hide their weaknesses and they, they, they make themselves look good. They make others look better. Man, somebody says next Sasha Banks. I'll tell you what, man. Sasha Banks has probably, I would, I would say, the most passionate fans of, in, of any wrestler I've ever seen in my entire life, hands down. Like, I don't know if you all know what Stan Twitter is, but uh, my friends uh, Lena and Nadia introduced me to that. And it is, I've gotten some scoops from Stan Twitter in, in my day. Like, just, <laughs> you just uh, never, you never know who will develop that explosive fan base like, like a Sasha Banks has. And I think Bianca Belair really, really can. Man, I just, I, I, I don't want to say I've lost sleep over it, but I was beside myself over how incredible Bianca Belair looked in that match. And she beat Candice LeRae too. And I thought it was a right time to beat Candice LeRae early because you have a lot of people who they bring in and they go on this winning streak, winning streak, winning streak. Then when they lose, it seems like they're killed dead. Candice LeRae loses right out of the gate. She loses really early and she loses to a girl that benefited from her losing and or benefited from a big win over Candice LeRae and Candice has a great excuse as well because she was distraught about her husband. Just look at the, look at the roster WWE have for their women. That's why it bothers me so much that they brought up a Liv Morgan with no plan, no real character and work to be done in NXT. That's why it bothers me when they bring up Sarah Logan, who could have really, really, benefited from being on the uh being an nxt one with her fiance that would have been a nice thing however she's making good money now and could have developed a character more so but no because you know road dog wanted her up he saw that may young classic promo and he wanted her up and now he doesn't have her so now we get interference and beat down shit all the time and no real development no real 
multi-layered situation. Somebody says Liv Morgan's a clone of Trish. Are you really surprised? Oh, she's, I mean, kind of, she does some cool stuff. She's, I think she actually has a little bit more personality than Trish. She just has to be allowed to show it. Trish really, really stood out for her time because she got so much better in the ring. So, yeah, we'll see. Guys, that is the Fightful Select Weekender podcast. Please, guys, go check out FightfulSelect.com. Uh, our subscribers are kind enough to encourage me to put out free content from Fightful Select every so often. But, of course, I will release something later in the month to to make up for you know them. Essentially, one of the things they subscribe for going up for free. We have all kinds of stuff. I'll run through uh, the options we have right now since we have a few more minutes. We have multiple tiers. We have a $5 tier where you can get Fightful bumper stickers after two months. Uh, Patreon only text and video posts. Like sometimes I'll just post news tidbits. By the way, we use Patreon, but we don't call it really a Patreon. It's just a simple way to run the premium service. We have a retro review show. First month was Backlash 1999. Second month, WWF SummerSlam 2000. Over on Fightful.com, you'll see my text review of those as well. An exclusive uh, photo gallery access, outtake, and behind-the-scenes clips every single month. The Fightful Weekender podcast every single week. Every other week, we do the Fightful Q&A podcast, where you all can ask me anything. You can ask as many questions as you want. We have bi-weekly dark match commentary shows where I take WWF, WWE dark matches that happened um, years ago, whatever doesn't have commentary, and I put my commentary on it. I'll add some like scoops in there, maybe some stuff you all didn't know about these people. We have the Return to the Members Only podcast every month. That's sort of a non-wrestling podcast, but we talk some wrestling on there as well. I'll have guests on there. The first month I had Nigel on there. I've also opened up those uh, that I had last year to other people. I even had my wife on one. We reviewed a movie. Uh, Demon Diva, Rob McCarron, David Bixenspan all appeared on the Fightful Members Only podcast. Then the tier up, you get a, that's a $10 tier. You get Jimmy Van's book, early access to interviews, uh, segments, Wikipedia fact check, making a finisher, uh, a new month from Jimmy Van's match archives go up. We're talking about adding some commentary to those ourselves. Early access to the Fightful Wrestling Weekly. I'm talking like days ahead. Uh, if you stay on for a few months, you get a Fightful shirt. You can get a sneak peek into Nigel's pre-production and multimedia. Also, we do the Stupid People extended segment every single week. A lot of fun. And then we also have sponsor level tiers. Maybe you have a site. Maybe you have a company. Maybe you have a friend's company that you want to maybe give them a gift of having their stuff promoted. Uh, Maybe you have a Twitter account you want to promote. You're trying to get some extra followers. We have $50 tiers where you can get your choice of content, where you can uh, request a column to be written by us or a retro review. Uh, Alex Andreessen did one where uh, he recommended that we review SummerSlam 2000, which is where our retro review review came from. And he runs the uh, Pick'ems over on FightfulSelect.com, which is what he wanted to promote. He just wanted to promote the fact that he was uh, running a Pick'em. Also, he gets credited in podcasts of his choosing uh, for that as well. But then we have like higher level sponsor tiers where you can buy a block 
of Fightful.com podcast sponsorships for like six months. Not only that, we'll fly you out to Toronto to be a part of the Listen Your Boy Live, and you'll get the famed Jeff Jarrett laser-engraved guitar that is a severe discount from our uh, typical ad rates that we do on this show. And uh, as Alex Anderson said, pitch the pay-per-view but picks for Backlash on Select, please. Yeah, man, he d- we have our community section where you all can just – you can just ask us whatever you want, man. And uh, he does some great stuff over there with our, our Pick'em. Of course, we have Pick'em's, uh, staff Pick'em's on Fightful.com as well. Just incredible stuff over at FightfulSelect.com. So if you enjoyed this free preview, all I ask is that you head over to FightfulSelect.com and you check out some of the uh, perks that we have, some of the content that we have. Uh, you can also head over to our YouTube, YouTube.com slash Fightful. And I have a playlist full of Fightful Select previews. So if maybe you're on the fence, ah, maybe I shouldn't get that. Maybe I will get that. Uh, That is a way that you can even make your mind one way or another. It's a nice way to do that. And I can guarantee you, we'll only be adding stuff in the future. So thank you guys so much. Leave us a thumbs up on this video. Subscribe, of course. And check out FightfulSelect.com. Free preview weekend is over. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.